in your heart Share what you feel No matter the subject You can always be real Talk with JC Michelle. Hard talk with JC Michelle. Hard talk with JC Michelle. Hard talk with JC Michelle. Yeah. Welcome to Heart Talk. This is Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggets. Listen, one of the things that's interesting to me that I've encountered. Um, even in the release of Black Joy, the book, is like people who come up to me and say, ooh, child, you shared a whole lot of your business. (laughs) You shared a lot of your heart and your experiences. I remember there's one story in the book that I share. It's called You. um, And I, I shared it's about my first love, my first true love. And I read it to my husband and my husband was like, are you sure you want to share that? I mean, because of course it was before him. So, I mean, there wasn't an issue of jealousy or anything. Um, and I, But I did, because it is about my first love, I did want him to know that the story existed, to know that I wrote it. But he was just like, it's not even about it being about a dude. I don't know if I would have the courage to be able to share something like that. And I think... I had to think about that for a moment because I was like, why am I being so transparent? Why am I sharing these intimate details of my life? And of course, you know, on the surface, I'm trying to show and demonstrate how joy was present in my life, ever present, even in the midst of the other stories, right? The stories of trauma and pain, that there was this intention to show how we hold both, both joy and pain at the same time. And that by definition, that's what black joy is because otherwise it would just be joy. What makes it black joy is the fact that we've been able to retain our humanity, retain our joy in the midst of great uh, traumatic experiences from the outside, But recently, since the book has been out, I've been digging into my reasoning a little bit more. And I think also I felt inclined to talk about all those things because I grew up in a time, in a culture, I think maybe even just a household that talked about nothing, like normalized silence, normalized hiding as a way to deal with problems. And I know for me, I've always felt very strangled by secrets. Like I felt like my voice was cut off because of secrets. And normalizing silence and not talking about things that are hard felt to me like I was dying. It felt like I could not breathe. And so in order to breathe, I had to give myself air. I had to open the passageways, if you will, and give my stories air. I had to find my voice. And at first it was just on the page. I was a journaler, you know, not a very consistent one, but I was. I had diaries when I was younger. And then I figured out that by telling my stories, right, I felt a little better. I felt healing was possible. And so in doing that, I longed to keep doing it. My voice had been in a chokehold for so long that when it was free, 
I never wanted to go back to those particular chains again. I think, though, to a certain extent, the damage was done. I do think that for a very long time, I felt bound by the whole we don't air our dirty laundry, <laughs> you know, mode or, you know, if if you come from certain black households, right? What happens in this house stays in this house, you know, that I think many of us live in that space, right? You don't acknowledge the pain. You just keep on living. These are the models of living that I grew up with. And I know that many of you probably grew up with. And as a result, though, I think I became very skeptical of joy, And that makes sense to me now. After spending time thinking about joy for so long, talking about joy for so long, I mean, I know I experienced joy throughout my life. Like I said, joy is not something that's outside of us, but experiencing joy always felt weird to me. Like I was doing something I shouldn't be doing and like it could be stolen from me at a moment's notice. And so whenever I was around really free people, people who just like reveled in their joy, you've you've seen people like that. Like you just like, wow, like they're just so we I think I hear people say all the time they're comfortable in their skin, the way they move. They just are joyous people. And, you know, those people when you're around them, it's 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 an energy, right? that they give off and and you want to be around it. You're curious about it, especially, again, if you're like me and you never had access to that kind of liberated way of being. I, I know I was definitely curious about it, but I was also, again, very skeptical. My chosen mode of survival was control. So people who were too free, who reveled in their joy, as I said, especially black folks, it felt frivolous in a lot of ways. And so you can imagine me kind of saying in my head, but don't you know, don't you know that anything can happen? Why are you so full of joy? You just out here all willy nilly like. (laughs) And I think even as, you know, a young adult, an adult, I began to replicate some of the same behaviors that I saw in my childhood. So even though I had begun to open up, If I was ever asked for specifics or if I was ever encouraged to go deeper than I thought I could handle, I would clam up. I'd revert to holding my cards close to me. I'd revert to you don't air your dirty laundry, right? And the crazy thing is I'd hold my cards but because I'd already begun to like inch out there. I would hold the cards close to me but hope that you could read them. (laughs) even though I never gave you the opportunity to do so. Bananas, right? (laughs) And so this was really the dynamic in my relationships for a long time. It was control, but also longing. Control and longing. And it wasn't until I was able to completely open up and feel liberated on the page. And again, Uh, Black Joy was my, what, 18th book, but it was Black Joy where I first began to do that. No other book prior to that did I feel as liberated on the page. And then even in just conversations about the book, 
being free or feeling a true freedom, you know, in talking about the stories. Because it's one thing to write them is a whole other ball game to talk about them. But that required a relinquishing of control, a relinquishing of my anticipating what somebody might be thinking or what might be happening on the other side, right? And I'm still working on it. I can't imagine doing something for 40 some odd years and expecting it to go away in six months because I wrote a book. (laughs) Um, Or, you know, in the case for most people, because you read a thing or because you had this revelation, it's going to take time. Again, I say it, I've said it over and over again. Healing is a process. It's actually probably going to take a lifetime. But what I do know is that if I want the kind of joy that I'm telling you all about, that I am telling folks about, if I want that on a consistent basis and if I want to continue to be intentional about joy, then somewhere along the line, I have to continue to work on relinquishing control. Because it's really, uh, I'm not really in control of much. But I do have control over what I believe. And that's that's the work. That's the hard part. Let's go to the phones and see what callers are talking about. Hey, Tracy, this is PC. And um, I would love to get your thoughts on something that's really been burning in my spirit for quite a while. Um, Basically, as a mother of a child with exceptional needs, I have definitely um, come to grips with and I understand the assignment of having a forever child. Um, What is frustrating for me um, is the fact that I have to deal with the other parent um, in some capacity for the remainder of my child's life. Um, So while I do find joy in the fact that she is beautiful in every way and in her way and that um, she brings me joy, I am really, really, really struggling with, okay, once she turns 18, I don't get to just (laughs) not deal with this other individual um, who is a narcissist, who is attempting to be controlling, and who essentially wants to steal my joy. Even though I'm not letting him, letting him do that, it's growing harder and harder to cope with. So how do I sustain my joy? Um, in this type of situation. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Hey there, PC. Thank you for calling. Ooh. You know, I I can imagine that co-parenting with someone who is not as invested, not as attentive to the needs of your child can be hurtful and painful and and challenging right um you know you want you the ideal situation right is to hope that you guys can share not just the responsibility but also the joy in parenting your forever child right um but you you mentioned something i i I want you to think about it like this nobody can steal your joy you can give it away 
but they can't steal it from you. Right. I think that is something that, um, you know, happiness can be stolen. Right. And I, and I talk about in the book, like the distinct, I distinguish between happiness and joy. Right. Happiness has to do with what's happening outside of us. It's a response to an external event, right? And so, yeah, I mean, things happen in the raising of children, right? And that that can frustrate you and anger you and make you not so happy in that moment. But your joy, that's something deeper. That's something inside of you. That's something that your co-parent can't reach, right? And it's I think it's also something that you can tap into when you need that peace, Right. When this person is is trying to infringe on your peace. Right. You can tap into that joy. Um, One of the things that I think might be important for you is to build out your coping mechanisms. Right. Um, Sometimes, you know, again, expectations, we expect a co-parent to co-parent. (laughs) And if that's not the case, when we have our expectations constantly dashed, right, constantly not met, then that creates something in the body. It creates a response in the body, whether that's frustration or anger, we begin to feel that. And so I think being able to implement some kind of uh, coping mechanism when those things happen, whether that's deep breathing, um, whether that is going out and for a run or, you know, jumping on your bike or, you know, going shopping, you know, again, I'm not suggesting shopping, you know, I'm sure people uh, would argue that shopping would you know, create an addiction or something like that. I'm not saying that, but thinking about what can you do to soothe your nervous system, right? Like soothe your central nervous system as you're navigating the challenges and the anxiety that may come in trying to co-parent with someone who's not involved in the way that you would like them to be. Um, and so I, that's, that's what I can offer, right? Like, you know, it's not, we can accept that it's probably not going to be the most joyful experience. And there's a level of acceptance that you have to, um, embrace that because you have a forever child, right? Like this person is going to be in your life forever. And that is the hard truth, right? Cause like you wish that that wasn't the case, right? But I think, Having a sense of, uh, or I think being able to access your joy and build out the way that you'll cope when this person says something or this person does something that you don't, you know, is think is right or you don't like, right, allows you to be able to have a level of peace when dealing with that person. They can't steal your joy, You know, like the old church folk, you say, this joy I have, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Your co-parent didn't give it to you and the co-parent can't take it away. Right. And so sometimes it's just a matter, I think, of shifting your mindset. Right. Like in dealing with this person, when and if they act a fool. (laughs) Right. You can shift it to what is the beauty of this situation. The beauty is I have this beautiful child that I get to nurture. I get to nurture, right? Like it's a privilege, right? Like shifting just the way you think a little bit. This is not a burden. She is, 
this beautiful or he's this beautiful person that I get to be involved with for the rest of my life and love and nurture and guide, right? And just that tiny shift, I think, will return you to joy in the midst of the frustration and anger that may come with dealing with this person who may not have that same perspective, right? And so it's hard. Like, I'm I'm not even going to front. Like, <laughs> it is a challenge to even have that perspective And I think, you know, the same way when people like so when people meditate, this is going to feel a little off, but I'm going to bring it back around. Right. Like when people meditate, a lot of people refuse to meditate because they say their brain starts like firing off and they can't really focus or be still or quiet their minds. And anybody who has practiced meditation will tell you that like that's okay. Every single time that your brain goes left or your brain goes right, your job is simply just to bring it back to center, just to bring it back to whatever it is that you're meditating on or, you know, bring it back to stillness, right? And if if you're doing that every five seconds, then that's just the work for you in that moment, right? It's okay. You don't have to get mad at yourself. It's just like, okay, that's my brain. I can sit here and watch these thoughts just fly by, right? And that's okay. I am not my thoughts, right? So I can allow it to fly by. Um, and then I can also, every single time I do kind of get distracted, I can just bring myself back to where I need to be. And what people who meditate find is that after some time doing that, you'll find yourself bringing yourself back to center less. In other words, you, you begin to now focus, right? Because you're training, almost training your brain to come back to the stillness. And so I I give that example because essentially that's what's going to happen with your co-parent. That's what's going to happen with you in dealing with your co-parent. Because you can't do nothing to control that person. That person is going to be who they are. They're going to deal who they are. You can't change and I wouldn't even bother trying. But what's going to happen is every single time there is a challenge or something that frustrates you if you bring yourself back to the joy bring yourself back to this privilege you get to raise this beautiful child right um when you bring yourself back to the things that make you happy and that give you peace over time that person is not going to be able to have that kind of influence on you it's not going to make you get agitated and frustrated as much because you figured out (laughs) how to hold on to your peace in the midst of their drama. And so I think that is the work for you. And it it is work because, shoot, sometimes we just want to go off, right? And maybe going off is something that you need to do. And then you bring yourself back to the beauty and the stillness and the joy, right? (laughs) Like I am not necessarily opposed to a going off every now and again. Sorry, I'm just not. Sometimes we need to release in that way. But always bringing yourself back to your joy, back to your stillness, back back to your peace is the work that you have to do constantly so that down the road, right, it's not as much of a task. All right. Thank you, PC, for calling. Thank y'all for listening. I appreciate you so, so, so much. Um, Again, as I always say, be well. And if you cannot be well, just be. Open your heart. Share what 
Jay-Z Michelle